Okay, I'm going to pray for us. All the extroverts are like, yay, and all the introverts are like, not coming to this church again. Anyway, I'm going to pray for us. <laughs> oh God, we thank you so much for this evening, Lord, and oh God, I pray that as you use me tonight to speak to your people, Lord, I know that just as Paul said, Lord, that it doesn't help I try and come with eloquence of words, but rather with the demonstration of your Spirit's power, Lord. So just as I speak tonight, Lord, I pray that you would use this uh, as frail vessel, really. It's how I see myself, God. But I do ask that um, tonight, as, as I speak to your people, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would speak into our hearts, um, Lord, and that you would um, do something of a demonstration of your Spirit's power to change. Lord, I acknowledge tonight that my words can change no human being, but your Spirit can, Lord. So I pray that just, just as I share your word with people tonight, that something will shift in the hearts of your people. And everyone said? Amen. 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 <clears throat> so um, what I'm going to speak about tonight, and I'll explain this. It sounds, uh, the drama students were like this. It's a bit weird and funky, and we don't know what Leonard is, is going to say, but I'll explain it a bit now. You can just bear with me. Follow the cloud. Not to be mistaken with follow the crowd, which is not a very Christian thing to do. Well, sort of, actually, you know. The Bible does put us in family to to follow each other as well, but Follow the cloud. And I want to, just before I get into this, I, I do need to give context because it does sound like a strange message, but I'm going to give you a bit of a, a short history lesson out of the Bible in the Old Testament where, um, where God leads his people by a cloud. And then I'm hoping that as I explain that to you, that more of the message will actually make sense. So the BA students, you'll find this easy to follow because it's, uh, it's like history and those type of things. The actuarial students, you might struggle a bit, so sorry for you. Just had to correct my joke from last time. <laughs> I got in trouble. <laughs> I got in trouble for making a joke about the BA students, and then I had to go have coffee with people wanting to leave the church. And No, I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm just joking. Just joking. So in the Old Testament, I, I do realize that nowadays people are becoming more and more Bible illiterate. We don't know the Bible. We don't know the Word of God anymore. And that is actually not a good thing. I want to encourage you to start opening up your Bible. And you know, the, the New Testament I find, if I open up my Bible still, my New Testament will be underlined and I'll have scripture references written in a note. But when it comes to the Old Testament, who of you can agree that sometimes it's a little bit daunting reading the Old Testament? Some of you find that difficult. But actually, the Old Testament is so beautiful. It really is a beautiful portion of the Bible, and it is just as much Scripture as the New Testament. But the two need each other. Otherwise, it does not make sense. So there's this saying, I'm hope, I'm gonna, I'm hope, I, I hope that I get it right, is that the New Testament, wait, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, so it doesn't matter. But the New Testament makes much more sense when you look at the Old Testament flowing over into the New Testament. And the Old Testament, do you know the saying? Say it. That's it. Okay, so say it. Okay, say it quickly. The, the New Testament is concealed within the Old Testament. Um, and yeah, and the Old Testament is actually revealed within the New. That's it. Preach it. Preach it, anyway. So the New Testament is concealed within the old and the old testament is revealed within the new so when you read the two together actually the new testament helps you to see what the old testament was building up towards 
and the Old Testament see, helps you to see pictures that were of, of what was to come, which is Jesus, our Messiah, that would come to save us. So actually, you're doing yourself a disservice if all that you read is just your favorite portions in the Bible, actually, and just the New Testament. So here's the beautiful thing about the Old Testament. Within the Old Testament, there are many stories that actually still teach us how to be believers today. And there are these pictures in the Old Testament of that which would come in the new. The entire Bible is about Jesus, actually. Did you know that? And a lot of the Old Testament is like a, a pointing towards Jesus. And so you miss these beautiful pictures, beautiful prophecies, beautiful shadows, the Bible calls it, that points towards this Jesus, Messiah, that would come. And so one of the beautiful stories in the Old Testament, in fact, this is one of the stories that in the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles would regularly refer back to the story in the Old Testament is that of the Exodus. It's a beautiful story, and it's one that really happened a few thousand years ago. Now, the word Exodus actually means exit. It's an exiting. And it's the story of God coming and taking his people out of captivity. So in the Bible, the, the people of God were held captive by this place, these people called the Egyptians. I've, I haven't read up on this, but I've got my theory that because they were slaves there, they probably built the pyramids. That's what I think. Because they were an amazing group of people, and there were millions of them that actually worked under the Egyptians. But they were held captive by the Egyptians. And so that's almost like today we are held captive by the world. The world, we, we slaves to the world when we are unsaved. But then God comes and he says, I don't want my people, the Israelites, to be held captive, the Hebrew people to be held captive by Egypt. I want to go and save them out of Egypt, and I want to take them to this place called the promised land. So God makes a promise. He says, no longer will you be held captive, but you will come into freedom. Isn't that what Jesus wants for us as well? Amen? He wants to take us out of this world and place us in his light and give us freedom as we follow him. Now, that's just a short jump, but you know what? It actually took them 40 years to get from point A to point B. 40 years. So what God does is he comes and he sends this guy Moses, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, which is like a representation of the devil, because he's the king of that world, the king of Egypt. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And then he says, but let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. <laughs> and he does that a couple of times until eventually, I don't have time to get into this. It's, it's, it's some of the most beautiful symbolic pictures in the Old Testament of the New. I wish I could get into it. I'm, I'm like itching to tell you guys about it another time. But eventually God does a miracle and, um, and he, he kills the firstborn son of every one of the people in the world. But those who have the blood of the lamb, blood of an unblemished lamb on their doorpost, the people of God are saved. Doesn't that remind you of something? The Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus covers us, we do not face death like the world does. And so because the blood of the Lamb was on the doorpost, Moses, which is a representation of Jesus, comes and he takes the people of God out of Egypt and he leads them to the promised land. And if you're sitting here today, if you're not a Christian, firstly you must know God wants to rescue you out of the world. And the world might look like a good place because that's all you know. I'm telling you, there's more. There is abundant life in Jesus Christ. There's a life that you cannot imagine that would, would have been destined for you. Life in Jesus is amazing. It really is amazing. It's freedom. When the world looks at it, it looks like captivity. But when you walk in Jesus, you're like, 
this is the best thing that could ever happen to me. And I'm hoping actually that if you're sitting here tonight and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, that you would tonight take that first step. And like Moses took them out, you need to say, I'm following Jesus out of the world tonight. I'm really hoping that. And then if you're a Christian or if you decide to get saved tonight, here's the thing, and this I'm going to get back to following the cloud now. You'll, you must follow my story here. If you've been following God, getting from captivity to a place of the full freedom that God has destined for every Christian takes time. You know, when some people think they become a Christian and it's gonna, they think it's going to be a day and all their problems are going to disappear, I have some very bad news for you. It's not the truth. Who's found that sometimes it is actually quite difficult to follow God? <laughs> Amen? Let that be something for you. In fact, Jesus actually said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And I'm like, why do people get all these, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me tattoos? I'm like, that's one promise, but why don't anyone get the, the promise of Jesus that this world will have trouble in it? That's something you can stick on your, on your fridge. <laughs> Quoted in the mornings, in this world I will have trouble. There will be difficult times actually. So going from Egypt to the promised land, actually God, this is the thing, actually it's a short journey if you look at the Old Testament. It's not that far away. It would have taken them a few days, maybe a month. But for them, because God wanted to teach them what it is to truly, truly rely on Him, what it is to truly follow Him, He had to take 40 years to get there. Because He didn't want a people that would always look back at the world, always be tied to the world. He wanted to make a people that are holy, a people that would shine for this world, a people who would, who would be like a city on a hill. And guess what? When God looks at this church, I know that what he sees for us is he doesn't want to take any shortcuts with us. He wants us to be a people who shine the light of, of God. And for that to happen, it's actually going to take a time. And it might at times feel like a wilderness. There might be difficulty following Jesus, but I'm going to, I'm going to explain a few of these things now. But God is going to lead you in order to teach you how to follow him. So when these people, I hope you still, um, BA students, you'll be fine for the rest. Just follow me here. As they exited Exodus, the first thing that God did is he said, as I'm going to lead you in the wilderness to go to the promised land, I'm going to read you a scripture quickly. Um, Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. So I'm not sure what that looked like, but somehow there was a massive cloud above the people of God, and they had to follow this cloud, which is it's, they had to learn to follow God. God was represented. It was like a representation. It was a manifestation of God was this cloud. And the people of God had to follow this physical thing that they see, just like we need to follow God still today in order to grow. And the Lord led them by a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day or by night. So here's the picture. As they leave Exodus, for 40 years as they're in the wilderness, during every day, now who knows the desert is quite hot. Who's from Namibia here? Yeah? A bunch of you, eh? Shame, man. <laughs> the desert is quite hot. Like walking in the desert is quite difficult. But God says, as you go, there will be a cloud above you 
giving you shade actually to walk in and it will be me leading you. And then the interesting thing about the desert is as hot as it is in the day, that's how cold it can be at night actually. It's a strange thing. And God says, no, for 40 years, there's going to be a, a pillar of cloud, a, a pillar of fire above you at night that you can follow. And this cloud would move around. And what these people of God would do is they would literally build their camps around the temple and the presence of God in this cloud would rest above the temple. It would stop there. And then whenever the cloud moves, they would pack up their tents. Can I make the joke I made the other evening, people? Is it fine? Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like... My wife's not here, so I'm not, I can do what I want. <laughs> and they would have their tents, everything would be set up. And then whenever the cloud would start moving, whether by day or by night, they had to pack up everything. The woman had to quickly finish the washing and the, the ironing. And uh, that's a bad joke, okay? <laughs> anyway, the guys had to quickly pack up their boltong and their gym equipment and all of those things. I'm just trying to balance it out, but I'm struggling here. <laughs> But they had to pack up everything that they had and they had to follow the cloud. And what was God teaching them? God was teaching them, when I move, you move. I'm teaching you how to follow me. What is God busy teaching everyone in this hall if you're a Christian? He's teaching you how to follow him. So what I want to do is I want to keep looking at, um, at some of these, uh, just some of this metaphor, um, this um, story in the Old Testament, and actually show you a few ways and a few things that I felt God highlighting to me of how God is teaching all of us how to follow Him better. Because all of us can be better followers of Jesus, amen? <laughs> all of us. None of us is perfect here. We all can learn and grow and follow Jesus better. And I'm thinking there's a possibility I'll preach about this next week as well. I'll see how far I get. But there's a couple of things that I felt God showing me because He wants us to be an obedient people, he wants us to be a people that he knows if I say they will do it. He wants to be our king and for us to be his servants. That's what he wants. But to get there, there's a few lessons that we have to learn. So I'm going to look at, um, at two of the things, two of the decisions I think we need to make in our hearts and two big lessons that if you're a Christian, just like God taught them with them having to follow the cloud that God will keep, um, ask of you as you follow him. Two things tonight, and then I might do two next week, depending on how it goes. If you like, if, if this is good, we'll see if there's anointing, then we'll go on. <laughs> if there's not, we won't do it again. So firstly, God expected them to follow him. He didn't follow them. I'm going to say that again. What is the first lesson that God wanted to teach them? God wanted to teach them, and this, this sounds quite drastic, but God wanted to teach them, you, my people, need to learn to follow me. I do not follow you. So here's the thing. When you follow God, who, who's, who's found this struggle within yourself? Man, this frack moeilijk, maar is ook frack lekker om hier te dien. It's so good, but it's so difficult. Anyone? It's so good, but it's so difficult. It's like this thing that we can't understand. Why am I saying that? I can't even remember. <laughs> My brain is fried from no sleep, I think. Um, I can't even remember why I said that. That's so bad, actually. Point is, okay, let me just get back to my story. It will, it will um, come back to me now. But God, so, so what God did, oh, yeah, this, that's the thing. Ha, ha, I got it, okay. <laughs> so, so as they followed God, yes, there were the amazing things of following God, like the fact that you could walk in the deserts and there was always shade where you walked. 
Your feet didn't burn. It was pleasant following God. At night, you didn't have to go sleep and shiver because the presence of God, God being with you, it was comforting actually. And I've experienced the comfort of God in my life in following him. I've gone through difficult situations. I've been in the desert before. I've been in places where it's, it's been the most difficult thing, things to do in my life. Those of you who were here, here last week, I shared about one of the most difficult things that I've ever gone through in my life. But guess what? As I was in the wilderness, as I was in this place of need, the presence of God gave me comfort. He gave me comfort. But the problem is that the lesson that God wanted to teach here is when you stay with me, when you learn to follow me, there will be comfort that you cannot explain to other people. You will be in the most difficult circumstances, but still there will be a peace in you that transcends all understanding and won't make sense to the world. But I move. I'm going to ask you to do things. I'm going to, I'm going to do things in your life. And if you don't stay with me, the cloud is going to move. If you stay put, if you don't pack up your tents and say, God, where you go, I will go. My life, life is laid down for you, not your life primarily for me. Sorry, that was, I see you laughing. It's not funny. My life is laid down for you. And when the cloud moves, you need to learn to pack up everything. But Because guess what? If God moves, the shade moves. And I've been in that place before where I'm like, God, where are you? Where have you gone? What's happened? Guess what? It's my fault because I probably didn't move with God. I probably haven't moved with God. And so what God wants to teach us is, yes, my comfort will be there. But it will only be there if you learn to obey my commands. It will only be there that when you pick up your Bible and you get challenged by, by me, then that is me speaking to you. You need to shift. You need to move. I'm teaching you to move the whole time. When someone speaks to you, when they challenge you, and the voice of God can come through people, then you need to learn to adjust, to shift, to repent. When you come into worship and I convict you of your sins, you need to learn to lay it down. I'm moving. You need to learn to move with me. When I come into community and we discuss something and we pray together and we bring things before God, you can't just say it with your words. You need to follow with me. And if you don't do that, something of the comfort of God will go missing in your life. God does not follow you. You follow God. You know, there are too many Christians today who have a prayer life that goes something like this. I wrote some of them down. God, tomorrow I'm writing an exam. I'm not sure if I studied enough, God, so please put some knowledge in my mind. <laughs> please, Lord, engineering is so difficult. Lord, you know, you've got sympathy. <laughs> please, Lord, help me to understand, Lord. I, I'll never really build a bridge, but at least just teach me how to build a bridge so that I can put it on paper. <laughs> I, I promise I won't do it, Lord. I really won't do it. <laughs> Prayers like this. God, you fi know financially it's so difficult. Lord, I, pre I pray, please help me to get a raise at work. Please, Lord, please give me a raise at work. Prayers like this. Lord, you know I like her. <laughs> Lord, you know I like her. Please, God, please let her like me too. Please do something in her heart, Lord. Please, Lord, when I speak to her, please help me that my mouth doesn't dry up and I don't start shaking again. Please, Lord, just let her like me. Or just let her, like, wobble a bit that I can catch her or something, Lord. You just do what you, Lord, please do it. Or Lord, there's this guy, and I know he's out of my league, but Lord, just let one of his teeth fall out or something, Lord. 
Well, Lord, I'm going into this day, Lord. Won't you bless my day and make it a blessed day that I can be happy? You know what those prayers actually reveal in us? Because prayer actually tells you a lot about your theology. If people pray with you, you can look into their theology to a big extent. It tells you, and I'm not saying all of these things are wrong primarily, but it's the way that you ask. A lot of these prayers are, God, you follow me. You bless me. Lord, this is what I want to do. Please, will you bless what I want to do? Lord, I'm going to pack up my tent. I'm going to move here. Lord, I feel like I want to move somewhere else. I want to go to a different church. I want to go to a different town. I want to do whatever. But you make your decisions on your own. And what you expect is, God, I'm going to pack up my things and move. Please, cloud, come with me because I still want the shade. I still want the comfort. God does not work like that. Our prayers need to be, God, what is your will? God, is this the person for me? God, what does your word say about this, this person that I'm meeting? The, the Bible says that if he or she is not a believer, then I shouldn't go there. Lord, I'm going to leave it because you're not going to go with me if I go where the cloud isn't going. Lord, is this the job you want me to take? Lord, Lord, if it's your will, then I need more money because my child is starving or whatever, right? But, but where in our prayers is it, God, if it's your will? God, what is your will? The Bible so many times when, when David in the Psalms, when he speaks to God, the Bible says, Countless times, and David inquired of the Lord. David never told the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. What is your posture when you come to God? Is it a life that's centered around God? And Lord, I will do anything for your glory. I will do anything to be obedient to you, Lord. I will follow where you go. Or is it, God, this is what I want to do. Please bless it. Because I'm going to say something shocking. For me, it feels like two different gods. And sometimes we make God something in our imagination that he's not. He is not a genie in a bottle. He doesn't just do what you want. He wants you to inquire of him. You know, so many churches actually are around like self-help and now to be a better you. And, and, and I, like, I feel like that's not the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know says, I'm moving, are you coming with? <laughs> that's the Jesus that I know. And, so, and, and some churches have a bit of a name it, claim it thing that anything you want, God wants. And I'm like, that is not actually what I see in the Bible. Yes, I catch these glimpses of what I think God wants, but I cannot presume to know what God wants if I don't inquire of him, if I don't search for him in the scriptures. Am I making sense, guys? So in your following of God, God is going to continue at times even taking away the cloud, taking away the shade, taking away the comfort, for you to realize that your life is not fully submitted to him. Your life is not fully submitted to him. And God is going to ask you to do things, and this is going to my second point, that might, well, I don't want to go there yet, but God is going to ask you to do things that might be uncomfortable. Do you think sometimes when that cloud moved, some people thought, flip, I just packed out my cupboard. <laughs> now we're moving again, but what does God want to teach you? It doesn't really matter. Follow me. Stay close to me because that is where it will be, where it's difficult, but it's good. That's God. I can't explain it to people. Oh, it's so difficult, but oh, it's so good. This is the prayer of Jesus. Contrast this to your own prayers. Luke 22, verse 41 to 44. And Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, 
if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What's the cup Jesus is praying about? It's his death on the cross. You know, this is the one time in scripture where Jesus's will and the Father's will, as, as I read it here, did not line up. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus wanted something else than what the Father wanted. Jesus said, if there's another way for me to die or to take away the sins of the world than dying on a cross, please, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. Who are we to think that we'll never come to points in our lives where we want something different than what God wants for us? It's going to happen a lot as you follow God. There are going to be many things that you want to do that's not the will of God for you. If you follow it, you're going to lose God along the way. For some of you, that doesn't fit with your Calvinist theology. I'm so sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remove this cup from me. Listen to what Jesus said. Nevertheless, God, not my will, but yours be done. Amen? Yours. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I have a will. It's not like I have to have pretend. Lord, I like this guy. I like this girl. I want to move to Mauritius. Lord, I want these things. But Lord, my will is subservient to your will. Not my will be done, but your will. That is what God wants to teach us. And there appeared to Jesus an angel from heaven strengthening him. You know, it's so beautiful. When we choose the will of God above our own, there's a strengthening that God brings to us. Even when we feel like it's impossible. And being in agony, Jesus, it was so difficult for him to follow the way of God, to follow the cloud. He prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became, became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's a physical thing that can happen to a human being if their stress is at a level that your body can't cope anymore and there's physically droplets of blood that can come from your body. That's how much Jesus in that moment thought it was going to be difficult for me to follow the will of God. Listen, you have to in your following of God come to this point where you are on your knees before God when you say, God, this is difficult, Lord. Please, if there's another way, do it, Lord, but your will be done, not mine. I will follow you because you are the Lord and I am your servant. Now, I'm going to, if this is a difficult one for you, and I know it might be, then we, I want to pray for you afterwards, for God to give you a revelation of his bigness. He's not just your buddy, he's your Lord. He is God Almighty and he expects us of, as, of us to follow him. The second thing that he wanted them to learn, and it fits in with the first one, is actually he wanted them not to become, become too comfortable with the things of this world. Not to become too comfortable. And so what does he do? The cloud stops, and sometimes it would stop for a few months. Sometimes it would stop for a few hours. And so what does that do to you? In your following of God, if one moment God lets you rest and the other moment God's like, no, come on, come on, come on, this is what I want. I want you to follow me. It teaches you not to become too comfortable because you know what? As human beings, we like to set up camp and stay there. We like what is comfortable. We like coming to church and knowing exactly what's going to happen. Am I right? <laughs> we know it. We're creatures of habits. We're creatures of like the patterns, the traditions of this world. It, it attracts us. We, we want tradition because it makes us feel safe. But God isn't the God of tradition. God is the new and living God. The new and living way is what the Bible says. A living thing changes. And so yesterday you, you came into God's presence by reading your Bible and praying. Today he wants you to go for a walk. Like, God, where are you? I don't know what to do. Yes, I'm the living way. I'm the living way. I don't want you to be too comfortable in the way that you do things now. 
It's a seeking. It's a seeking for God. What is your way? I have this friend, um, Estian. He's an elder now, so God obviously sorted some of these things out. But when I first met him and we started walking a road together, um, I, I would speak about how I see God and following God because I had some of this revelation. And Estian just, he came from a t- totally different church, totally different worldview. And he would say to me, Leonard, I don't like what you're saying. Isn't God supposed to be more like go with the flow? Like, <laughs> and I remember those words, like the go with the flow God. And I'm like, no, actually, I've become more and more convinced that God isn't the go with the flow God. He's not the go with the flow God. He's the God that wants to teach us not to be too comfortable in this life so that we don't just build these, these houses for ourselves and settle, but that we keep following him. Um, it's actually, uh, yeah, so ugh, I don't know if I should say this, but anyway, no, 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 I'm not going to say it. It's fine. <laughs> but when, when I spoke to Enrei about today's service, I said to him, something in me feels like we should shake it up a little bit. Because even in us, what creeps in is we know. We go, we start with announcements. Lena tells a silly joke. Then we go into to worship. We do three quick songs and then three slow songs. Okay? Then someone comes with the word and then we need to repent. Then we go into the sermon, a little bit more worship. That's the way we do it. And we get so comfortable. But in actual fact, that's not what God wants. God wants us to follow him, to always be feeling like, God, are you moving? Where are you going? Where are you going? And so actually, I think we should walk, if we walk into a church and we're comfortable and it's just the same thing in and out every Sunday because that's what's comfortable for us, then I don't think that that's what God actually wants for us. I think we should be challenged. In our Christianity, if we think that we've boxed God in, we know what God wants, I don't think that we've found the God that, that, that I read here in the Bible. God's always going to challenge you to say, okay, now move. Now do this. Now follow him. Now, here's the difficult thing. I, I wasn't planning on actually saying this, but this sounds so abstract to many of you because some people hear the voice of God so easily and you're like, yo, God tells me to do things all the time and you sort of glow in the dark and sleep with the angels. You're so early because you hear God all the time. <laughs> and then, yes, honestly, now I'm like the pastor and I'm saying honestly, sometimes people like that intimidate me, honestly, because I have heard the voice of God, yes, but, but sometimes when people speak, I'm like, flip, how, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you hear him so much? And can I just quickly stop you? Because I know that some of you feel like I feel. It's like intimidating. You're like, what are these people smoking? Because I don't hear these voices all the time. Like God said this to me and God said that to me. You know what? Actually, I think our, many times in our following of God, our language use is not so helpful for the people around us. Because although I do believe that God can speak audibly to people, and I've heard stories of God speaking audibly to people, meaning I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, thus saith the Lord. Like some people have had that. And I've had times where I've, I've heard the Lord where I've, I'm like, can't explain it, but I just know that the Lord spoke to me. But mostly, you know what it is? It's, it's an impression on my heart. It's a feeling of conviction. It's a leading towards, like I just, I feel like that would be the right thing to do. I can't explain it, but I just, I feel it. Or when I pray, I just, I just feel like my prayers are led in a direction and I just have a sense that that is what God wants to do. A voice didn't come out of heaven. Or sometimes I read my Bible, which is the word of God as well, and nothing happens in my heart, but I know that's the word of God and that's what I should do. And I'm like, God spoke to me there. Nothing happened in my heart. There wasn't a voice out of heaven. 
And I think many times when we speak about these things that God wants us to do things, some Christians become so intimidated because they feel like, just, I don't hear people, God like that. You know how God will speak to you to lead you? Yes, he will. Sometimes he'll give you an impression. Sometimes he's going to put conviction on your heart. You know that that is the voice of God? Do you know that? God does speak to all of you. But sometimes you think like, whoa, I'm not like those Christians. You miss it. God is leading you. The cloud is moving in your life. Amen? You with me? If you're sitting here, the cloud is moving, but you are so intimidated that you don't recognize it. This is how the cloud's going to move in your life. You do something, and it's like it bugs you because you know that didn't please God. What's that? It is the voice of God. It's God speaking your heart. Sometimes some of you are going to read Bible. You're going to be convicted of something. Scripture is just going to pop out. What is that? It is the voice of God. Sometimes a leader is going to speak to you, challenge you on something, or ask you to do something. And I'm not saying leaders here directly from God, but many times when that challenge comes, if it's a godly thing, you know what? God even speaks through the people around us. It is the voice of God that we hear through each other. Is there anyone that, that this makes sense to? Like sometimes it's intimidating. Just hear me, it's not that intimidating. God will speak in many different ways and he's gonna teach you to follow him, follow that cloud. I sometimes think the, the words God said is not so helpful for us. But sometimes, unless God really like spoke clearly in your heart because we, we make it intimidating for people and I don't see it that much in the Bible except when the prophet spoke. And, and there is prophecy as well. I, what I like to do is I like to say, I experienced on my heart that God has this to say to you. I felt an impression. I had a sense, okay? I had a sense. Are you following me? Okay. So God is going to lead you. The cloud is going to move. God is going to speak to all of you. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, meaning God is doing this in your life. He's going to challenge you. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to keep following, keep uh, even when it's difficult. Luke 9, verse 23, I'm almost going to land. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him build himself a nice house and get very comfortable and retire young, <laughs> make a lot of money. <laughs> Find a hot wife that's going to do everything that you want and bring you a beer in the afternoon. <laughs> Like, that's what, not what the scripture says. Though I found out why, but it's okay. <laughs> it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Ouch. What does Mac always say? Ouch and amen. Ouch and amen. <laughs> for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Oh, wow, people, what God is teaching us is my way. Pick up your cross. Do even the things that I'm asking you to do that's difficult, just like Jesus said, to pick up the difficult cross that set you free and gave you life. That's what Jesus is asking of all of us. So if church becomes too comfortable, it's a problem. <laughs> It's a problem. If you go to a church because that's the church that's most comfortable for you, then, then that's not the way that we should look for church, actually. Then maybe you don't know enough people. Maybe you haven't jumped in deep enough, but it should be challenging. It should challenge you to follow God more. Anyway, let's stand. 
it's stand designed 